The Rich Young Ruler Syndrome No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew 6 verse 24 KJV Today we're going to expound on another revelation given by the Lord, something called the rich young ruler syndrome. This is when the things of the world have gotten so good to us that even though we know that we're in sin, and even though we know that God is not pleased with us, and even though we know what we're doing is wrong, but because it feels so good to us that it's hard for us to let it go. So we walk away sad and we walk away depressed but we swallow it down because we're not willing to give it up, whatever it is, for every individual. It could be a significant other, our house, our car, our job, or career, or like the rich young ruler, our possessions. We're not willing to give up these things, the riches of this world, so we just stay stuck. To get a better understanding of what the Lord meant, we can read about Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler in Mark 10, 17 through 22, reading from the KJV version. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. So, here is this man who obviously loved the Lord, loved God to some degree, if he had kept his commandments from his youth. And I'm going to say that the Lord had to have been with him to some degree because we've already learned that no man can keep the commandments on their own. If we could, we wouldn't have needed a savior. As we read in this passage, it states that the Lord looked on him with love. So we know that this man was honest about what he said about keeping the commandments. And we know that Jesus was pleased with this man. But here's the kicker. As outlined in Hebrews 4, the Lord knows each of us intimately. We lie naked before him as he is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So he saw right into this man's soul and could see what was lacking in him. What he needed to do, as the ruler said, to inherit eternal life. He saw that this man had acquired so much that his possessions had now begun to possess him. Because as it states in this passage, he had great possessions. Let's look at how this man is described. He's described as a rich young ruler. 
According to Webster's Dictionary, a ruler is someone who rules or is sovereign. 1A. One possessing or held to possess supreme political power or sovereignty. B. One that exercises supreme authority within a limited sphere. C. An acknowledged leader. This man had become so absorbed by his status, his wealth, his power in this life, they had taken rule over him. So much so, he wasn't willing to give up the treasures of this world, not even for the eternal life, the treasures in heaven that he so wanted to acquire. Isn't that why he was following the commandments? As the Lord even said, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is what this man did because he loved God, Jesus. But look, the devil had this man because he was using the same trick he attempted to play on Jesus to keep this man bound as he said to Jesus I'll give you all this if you just bow down to me so as we see with everything this man had and done he still needed Jesus to set him free this is why the devil tried to tempt Jesus with this tactic because he knew the fallibility of man and knew what would snare him but Jesus was not only 100% man, he was also 100% God in the flesh. So now that Jesus stood up to all the devil tempted him with and faltered not, he could now free this man, free him from what you ask? Some would say free him from all he possessed because it now had rule over him. As it is written in Revelation 3.17 in the letter written to the angel of the church of Laodicea, because thou sayest I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. See, just like in this letter, Jesus said the same thing to this rich young ruler as he was saying to the Laodiceans. Jesus already knew full well this man's works since his youth. He knew all that this man had done and was pleased, but he had just this one thing and this one thing was going to keep him from receiving eternal life. My God, my God. And that's what he's talking about when he said they're suffering from the rich young ruler syndrome. They have so long been in the world and have so come to love the world they can't leave and that's why they stay sick and stay out in the world because they're not willing to let it go so this is why oh my god my god this is why i don't understand how people do not believe the bible the holy spirit says because they haven't read it they haven't studied it but you know you would think at some point you would pick up that bible and say i just need to see I just need to know if there is anything real in here. And there you go. How many people are suffering from that rich young ruler syndrome? A lot of them. Hollywood is full of them. But they know. They know who the true and living God is. If they didn't, how do they know so well how to rebel against him? But they'd rather turn to the flesh. They'd rather turn to the flesh. 
They'd rather turn to the fame and the fortune, to the bright lights, the big city. Again, the things that the Lord was tempted with when the devil came to him. If we continue in this passage, Jesus had a few other things to add about what this man must do to inherit eternal life. He said he must pick up his cross and follow him. This is similar to what Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew 16, 24 through 28. And it reads, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, There be some standing here which shall not taste of death, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. In this chapter, Jesus had just told the disciples about his upcoming death on the cross and his resurrection. And when Peter said it shall not be, Jesus rebuked him and let it be known that those who chose to follow him would have to suffer similar fates. So this man had an opportunity to be as one of his disciples. But the man walked away sad and grieved because he realized that despite everything he had done through works and the law, he on his own efforts would never be able to have eternal life. Because as we know, the law can never cleanse us of sin, nor make us holy. It can only highlight the sin we have and where we are lacking. In essence, the law is there to get us to the place where we acknowledge we cannot depend on what we can do. As the ruler said, what shall I do to get eternal life? This man kept the commandments, he kept the law, but even that wasn't enough. But if we take a deeper look at what's happening here, we will see that there is hope for this man and for those who are also suffering from this syndrome, Jesus says. One, the ruler came running to him because he knew within himself he needed help. We see in the Bible that there were quite a few times where those who were sick and burdened down ran to Jesus like the man in the tombs. Here, this man is a ruler, high and mighty, sovereign, and the other was living in a cave, crazed and out of his mind. While both may have looked very different on the outside to the natural eye, but both, as we see, suffered the same. They were both lost without Jesus, my God. Both had succumbed and were being ruled, bound by their sins, and they both acknowledged it by their actions. One ran at Jesus and fell at his feet. The other ran to him kneeling and addressed him as good master. Although he was again a ruler, sovereign and rich, nothing like how Jesus presented himself as he walked this earth in the flesh as a humble servant. The ruler acknowledged Jesus's power and authority over him by presenting himself in a posture of the lesser giving honor to the greater and address Jesus as good master. 
Here is also another note of hope for this rich young ruler. At the time, Jesus had not yet gone to the cross to be crucified for the sins of the world. So at that point, there really was no hope for this man to see eternal life because Jesus, who will stand judging over all of us someday, told him that he lacked what was needed to receive eternal life. So at this point, who was going to be able to help this man? If he couldn't get himself saved, having kept the commandments, who else could? It's like in Revelation chapter 5, where John said, He wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. This man, the ruler, like John, was grieved. But just like John, this ruler would find that there is one who can wipe away all sin. And by his blood and believing on him, we can have eternal life by the works of one man and his alone. And that one man is Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus loved us enough to bear our sins on the cross as he loved this ruler and knew his sin was great. And he knew only he could set him and us free from the wages of sin, which is death. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's such a feeding when you're sitting here with the Lord in the quiet place and you're attuned to him and what he's saying and you get to speak to the Lord in spirit and in truth and he uploads his word and his revelations. I mean, you feel honored, you feel special, you feel loved and cared for. It's like God cares about you, what you think, what you feel, what your opinions are. You know, he's a great holy God. Why would he even spend time talking to you as little and insignificant as you are compared to him? It's because he has made us in his image, in his likeness. So it's just like your children. When you look upon them, don't you see your image? Isn't that why you love them? Because there are many you? You know that they are a part of you and you can see them in you. It's unbelievable. It's truly unbelievable. So how do you know whether or not you have this syndrome? Well, check your symptoms and upon doing, if you should, so you find that you do have RYRS. Here's what you must do quickly, just like this ruler did here. One, so we must first run to Jesus. Two, acknowledge that you are lost without him as it is written in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And three, be transparent about your issues, your sins. Because bottom line, Jesus is the cure, the only cure. Amen.